Justin. And I'm Blake. This is the How Do You Figure podcast. Blake, who is our guest this week? Justin, today we are joined by Lauren Stone from Toy Wizards and Pop Lurker. Lauren, thank you so much for coming. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Justin, did you get anything new this week? I did. I went into a Target for the first time in over a month. I picked up the uh, Frogman from the Stiltman wave from the end of the Spider-Verse. That's a very good wave, and it's exactly what I also got. I just had my mail call, and uh, I went the other way, Justin, and just got all the mainstream Peter B. Parker, Gwen, and of course, how could you not get the Miles Morales from it? Now, are you, are you just getting those? I'm just getting them for now. I'm not super attached to Stiltman. I'm not really attached to the red that's, hand of Frogman. That's, that's what I'm getting to, is are you going to need those Build-A-Figure pieces? I mean, if you've got them, I'll take them. But I'm not going uh, to go risk COVID to find those Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm looking the other way. I'm trying to get those from you so I can build Stiltman. Oh, well, then go for it. I'll, I'll, we'll make a trade. Because I, for whatever reason, I did not connect with the end of the Spider-Verse film like you did. Like, I enjoyed it. I thought like it was Like America good. did, Justin. Uh, but I didn't think it was the greatest movie ever made, like some people claimed. Um, so I don't need those figures, but man, do I need a stilt man. So that would be great. Well, happy to help. Lauren, did you get anything new and exciting this week? I did. Literally right before I came in here and set up, I received after months, uh, no, like so many months of waiting, I pre-ordered it. I received the Blitzway Mega House Inspector Gadget set. And I don't have it with me to show off, but inside this huge box of 80s treasure is just the most premium looking Inspector Gadget set you will ever see. So you have Gadget, you have Chief, and then one box has Penny and Brain in it. And it has like sound, like uh, backdrops and little like sound effect thing, like boom, cause you know, this message self-destructs. I cannot wait to set it up. I am so stoked for this. Loved Inspector Gadget when I was young. Yeah, that's one, like, I'm gonna need to get that because it's a, it's a show that I loved. My dad and I used to watch it together. So it's also like family memories mm-hmm. and I have nothing representing it anywhere in any of my pop culture pantheon none see i do i have tons of uh, tons i have some i have some vinyl toys of the mad of like the mad villains not not um not dr claw because i reject dr claw the toy that came out in the mid 90s when we saw his face and we're like no that's not claw dude and it was just wrong but i have like some um specter gadget like happy meal toys and i have just like a little vinyl like tchotchkes and desk pieces so i do have some i didn't get the pops but like the blitzways have they ever done a uh, a worthy claw figure or do we mainly have that 90s I don't even reveal to the story. I don't know what you would even call it. That's not like, okay, I could go off into like fan theory land and I don't know if this is the place to do that, but all we want, I want like a PCS collectibles or sideshow style statue that's just the chair and the hand, the claw, you know, with the, the, with the braces 
and you know you turn it around and it's nothing like I want to see the back of the computer like that's the that's the claw statue setup I shot I want to see I don't need to see his face because I don't think we ever I don't think we ever did I think some people have a fever dream what's it called like the mandala effect yeah yeah some people think they saw his face just like some people think they saw the face of nanny from muppet babies but it never happened you're wrong it's very uh is it the shazam movie or because it's kazam's a real one but there's another genie movie that's not real yeah shazam starring sinbad it never happened right that's exactly it everyone's made this up we've never seen claw and i'm with you i want to turn the chair around and either make a big like computer thing for him or just shadow just keep that secret i don't need to know what he looks like a popular fan theory is that he shares a face with inspector gadget because claw was the original version didn't do the job right, was dismantled and thrown out, and then they made new Gadget. So now that's why old Gadget, who is Claw, is now angry and trying to get him because he took his job. That makes sense. I can see that. And so that's why, according to theory, we never see Dr. Claw's face because we know the face. It's Gadget, just all messed up, battle damaged. I like that. Those are the, the ideas that I, I enjoy. I don't need this this uh, mutagen man-esque toy that they made in the 90s. Who was that guy? Exactly, exactly. You know, for me, the fan theory goes deeper again. I don't know if this is the place to go for it, but like in my head, Penny is Chief's daughter and she's been assigned to watch Gadget. It just, and I think this headcanon, in addition to, yes, I loved Inspector Gadget as a kid. I watched tons of it with my sisters, like same with you watching it with your dad. It was very special. It was a family thing. It was in syndication forever. Watched so many episodes. Remember none. Watched it again as an adult. But that headcanon and what is going on behind the scenes of this story is what makes it more, even more, even more fun for me. Oh, yeah. I think that was the best part of, of having some toys as a kid was creating this narrative that to this day, I mean, now we call it headcanon. We have fandoms and tumblers allowing all this. But I just remember having all of these like, no, no, Bosk is the cooler bounty hunter than Boba Fett. You don't know all of these stories about him that are mine. You're right. Honestly, no, that's a really good point. Maybe some of it stems from our imaginary play. And like we impose these stories on the toys and that helps, you know, later. It's not headcanon or fan fiction. It's the games we played. I like that. Blake. You're something. It's got to be part of it because there's so many cool characters in pop culture that when you go back and revisit, you're like, oh, they didn't really do that much. But I really like IG-88 and Bosk had a uh, a buddy cop comedy in my head that's <laughs> that I still would like to make for Lucasfilms one day. They will not speak a lick of English. It'll just be beeps and growls. It'll be very funny. I say the same thing about Rainbow Bright. So, you know, as a kid, I had a lot of Rainbow Bright toys. I was born in 1985. So around three years old, I was three, four years old. I'm playing with Rainbow Bright. I'm watching Rainbow Bright. And really it's for all of its depth, it's very superficial. So for me now as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, I could expand this world. If if like Deke and, and Hallmark would want to make a movie of this, I can write that script in five minutes. Let me do it. Right, I feel like that's what we need to find now. Hollywood needs to find the people who played with toys. They need to find the people that have just a bunch of boxes that they won't let their parents get rid of. That's (laughs) where the expanded universes are. That's the money. Uh, So then tell us a bit about your, your, I guess I'll say an action figure origin story. Were you always collecting and playing as a kid? Did you ever stop and then come back to the hobby? 
it was interesting for me. I, I've talked about it before on like the Toy Wizards and Pop Lurker YouTube channels, but for me, I was so immersed in play that if I didn't have, let's say Power Rangers, for example, I missed all of those toys on the shelves in their first run. So I would just take different colored markers and be like, this red one's the Red Ranger, this green one's the Green Ranger. And I would literally make up games with nothing. Like I'd color a rock and this is this color Ranger. But I was really, really into, I remember Barbies and I was really into um, like Spectra dolls and Golden Girl. And I had a bunch of the little Shira. So I was always very much into play with anything that resembled people. I did not like My Little Pony. Um, I just didn't connect to the animal. Like I didn't, my sisters had pound puppies. I didn't have, I didn't like anything that was an animal because my games were so big and dramatic that an animal is like a sidekick. You can't like, and you know, people can do whatever they want. But to answer the question more directly, yes, I have always been really into play, really into world building, really into telling stories, either writing or through my, my toys and my action figures. I started collecting as an adult in 2007 was when that's when I really started collecting, you know, toys again as like, a, oh, I can be a grown up and do this. And it kicked off, it sort of reignited with my um, Green Ranger collection. Was there a specific Green Ranger that came out in 2007 that you connected with and was like, I got to get all back into this? No, it was Mighty Morphin. It was Mighty Morphin. In 2007, I finally got my 1994 vintage um, Dragon Dagger after waiting forever. And I got the, um, the, the Dragon Zord, like the actual chunky Dragon Zord. It's, again, these toys that I couldn't find or couldn't afford as a kid, I now had them as adults, as an adult. So getting that stuff it was like oh I have these Power Ranger toys what other Power Ranger toys are out there so from 2007 to the present I really started paying attention to Power Ranger toys and what was coming out and what had come out and a lot of my collection is Mighty Morphin but I connect really to the Megazords like I couldn't tell you what happens in any seasons of the Power Rangers but I can always tell you what the robot looked like. Well, that was a uh, you know almost the same thing happened in all those seasons reusing a lot of footage. <laughs> My connection with the Green Ranger, it was the lone wolf story. It was the, I don't need anyone. And he was cool. He had a dragon zord all by himself. The rest of them had to call upon their zords and all the zords came together and it was teamwork and it was great. But then this guy just slipped in super cool, had a, you know, summoned this dinosaur, this Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla with a flute and didn't need anyone. And he was evil and then he wasn't. So it was just a storyline that I enjoyed and connected with. It is a great storyline, Justin. If you ever find some old Power Rangers, I just recommend the five-part series of the Green Ranger. It is almost all you need. Did you ever work in any uh, like retail environments? I feel like so many people who collect and are engaged this way have some GameStop Toys R Us story of, of being involved in that? My version of it, because I worked in a lot of food service because um, it was fast paced and my mind was everywhere. My favorite was, you know, Starbucks, of course. But when I was 20, I worked at Blockbuster. So, and I was specifically supervising the video game corner, Game Rush. Oh, I remember Game Rush very well. That was the, when I was uh, at GameStop. Every store for a while had this like weird mini store. It was like Game Crazy, Game Rush, 
game dude that might have been one too i don't remember anymore but how what was that like did people like know they were coming there for games or did they have to like go into blockbuster and then follow some trail to everything else it was funny because it was a very specific time i was working at blockbuster in 2005 and that was the transition of videotape vhs had just happened so all the videotapes were like in the back or gone and so people just were very confused by the model of, oh, wait, you have an entire like section over here for video games. It's not just the kiosk. And why can't I just reach behind the box and grab the empty thing so that you can like, why isn't the game in here? Because they didn't understand that we had to like go to a filing cabinet and like, you know, do it and do the thing. Because I think back in the day, you'd get the game behind the thing, open it up and there's your NES cartridge. And so they didn't understand that we kept all the discs in a um, filing cabinet because of thieving bastards like the ones questioning us. Yep, <laughs> always had to have that. I liked the Toys R Us method of getting the big orange ticket and coming up and being like, one link to the past, sir. Yeah, that was so much fun. I remember very, I still remember the day we got Mario Paint and went, cause it sold out everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And finally we went to this one Toys R Us that had the magic ticket and we're like, you, you can't be quite sure if it's a mistake or if like they really have it behind that magical window of fate. And so we took, you know, took the ticket. And I remember we're just waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting while they do whatever they're doing. And then, and then this huge Mario paint box was handed to my mom. And I'm just like. So now that's the one I never had. I had all the Power Rangers stuff growing up. We never found Mario paint. <laughs> Wow, talk about deprivation. I know. I was just regular 2D side-scrolling games for me. So back to these figures, outside of uh, Power Rangers, did you have like a favorite figure you had growing up that you kept the whole time? You know, it's funny. My oldest toy that is from my, like from being a kid, like I know everybody, you know, being a toy journalist today and being a toy collector, I know everybody wants to hear like this story of I've always, I've always loved G.I. Joe, but like that's, you know, I've, I'm like, God, my Motu collect. No, it didn't happen. I was a little girl and I played with little girl toys, but my oldest toy in my collection from Hanukkah 1990 is my Little Miss Singing Mermaid. <laughs> and I still have her. Great. I love that. On the Toy Wizards YouTube channel, we do these segments called Retro Toy Reviews because we don't want to just do new toy reviews. I mean, although they're important and people are looking for opinions on, you know, brand new toys, but we are lifelong toy collectors. So we have older things. And I think I've been, and this isn't the reason we do the retro toy collections. It's like, just because, you know, our old vintage stuff is fun. But I think that if all you do is new stuff, you start to get a reputation for being inauthentic. And people are like, well, you just get whatever effing samples thrown at you. And we're like, no, it's not like that. So let me show you my little Miss Singing Mermaid and I'll cry over it. And you can see that like, <laughs> you can see that the Arrested Development runs deep. Oh yeah. So tell us about Little Miss Singing Mermaid. I feel like I don't ex I can't I don't know exactly what this is, which is weird because usually I have a pretty good grasp of like the doll side too. Like yeah. what tell what us the lore behind behind the little miss singing mermaid oh my yes. god sure all right so the little miss line was a line of toys by mattel somewhere in the mid 80s to early 90s i don't think there were 
I don't even know if there are any more after Little Miss Singing Mermaid. She might have been the end of it. But basically the gimmick was um, like, for example, Little Miss Makeup, warm water makes her makeup disappear, cold water makes it come back. Then there was like Little Miss Hair and she had like this little ice tube where you'd put like cold water in it and you, you know, do this to her hair and like color would show up. And then Little Miss Singing Mermaid, you'd squeeze her, she sang, you dip her in your bathtub and then like color appears. Although I do not encourage children to dip anything in water that had exposed battery caps because that was life back then. Kids today are so spoiled with their screws and their water resistance and safety standards. What is that? You're a real mermaid. Little Miss Singing Mermaid, you're my dream come true. Little Miss Singing Mermaid, Dow Battery Not Included. Do you have any other the Little Miss or just this Little Miss Mermaid? Just because, and just the mermaid, just the mermaid, man, because I was, I was four when the Little Mermaid from Disney came into theaters. So I was mermaid crazy. <laughs> the only one I wanted was the Little Miss Singing Mermaid. My older sisters had the other ones. I didn't want them because I don't, I didn't like, I didn't like baby dolls, but I would, but I made a concession for the mermaid. Gotcha. Now, you still have that from when you were a kid. Your the the majority of your like action figure collection. Do you did that come from your childhood, or did you have to go back? I never had. I never had any action figures as a kid. I had like one transform. We had like one off action figures. So I had this Batman. Um, it wasn't even a figure. It was a toy doll. I had this Batman doll that I was in love with. And then I had a transformer like as a kid and I could not tell you which one it was, but I was always obsessed with robots. So any generic, any robot toy, I'd want it. But my family moved around a lot. Um, there were five of us girls. So they, everything was smashed, broken. Barbies were decimated. Hair was cut. Um, you know, feet were chewed. And again, we moved out of the country and then back again, my parents split up and just things get lost with that sort of you know, turbulent movement all the time. So, so this was a ground up collection as an adult. Like you started fresh. I had to, I had to start fresh. You know, I, again, to this day, I have some sentimental toys that people have given me over the years, like, you know, a little like teddy bears here and there. And that's all put away because again, sentimental, but yeah, my adult collecting started in, um, in, 2007. Before that, when I was like 13, 14 in 98, 99, I would collect anime toys, but I don't think I have any of those, um, any of those anime toys left. Like they were all in pretty busted condition. Like we didn't have any money. And so I was literally going to like comic book stores and pulling broken. I have a story how I pulled a broken Sailor Mars doll out of the trash. And I was like, it's anime and I can't afford any better. So here we go, you know, stuff like that. I do have my Sailor Moon collection next to me because I'm going to make a video about it um, in the upcoming week. And I do have some older stuff from in there. But yeah, a lot of my adult collecting is from 2007 to the present. I feel like Sailor Moon, has there been like a definitive action figure collection for Sailor Moon? Because I feel like I see a lot of statues and I've seen like the Bandai stuff, um, but I'm not like, I don't know the history of figures as far as Sailor Moon goes. Oi, pull up your socks and uh, get ready. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, you know, in the 90s when the show was happening, there was a lot of dolls and you had Irwin Toys putting out American and, you know, North American 
toys. So Irwin Toys was doing North American dolls and we had all sorts of keychains and plush and tchotchkes. And then we were, um, Irwin Toys was repackaging the Bandai magic wands, all the Sailor Moon magic wands. So we had some of those, but let's see, was there anything here? I, I have one right next to me. This is from Japan, 1996. So it's not as nice as like a figure arts, but it's in a similar vein. And yeah. then, you know, of course now this is more recent. Like this is, what year is this one? Can I find a year fairly quickly? I don't wanna waste up all the time on this. Uh, 2015 maybe. So that's the, maybe that might be more recent, but yeah, here's a Sailor Moon SH figure arts. And so like once figure arts start coming up and they're in the $60 plus $80 range, like they're not dolls anymore. Oh, and yeah. yeah, Bandai's still putting out Sailor Moon toys. A whole new wave of them just came out. The animation color ones. Um, there's this new nine inch one that doesn't, it's, it's non-articulated, but it's still made of like plastic. There's the, um, the figure art minis, which are replacing the Tamashi buddies. Like it, it spirals. I feel like anime has always had very high-end figures and statues. That that's always been one area that's had that higher echelon at least as long as I've been aware of it. I have an article on Poplarker called Life is an Old Taku, because, you know, the word otaku um, used to be, the word otaku was, like, used for anime fans. Now they call themselves weebs, and I don't know what a weeb is, because I'm extremely old, and I don't know what's going on. So my life as an old taku was basically, back in the late 80s, Nick Jr. had imported all of their animation from Japan. So you had this, like, nice animation and these elaborate stories, and so from, you know, from there, it edged on where like I, again, Little Mermaid, I became really attached to the 1975 toy version of the Little Mermaid, uh, the one where she dies and it's gorgeous animation and you're, and then sa seeing Sailor Moon on TV, but it was extremely edited and the episode stopped at this point and you're like, what happens? There's gotta be more, what, you know, what is this? And then I was fortunate that there was some anime on the shelves at Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. So you start just grabbing titles and digesting whatever you can. And it's a it's a, definitely a spiral from there. So for me, it had nothing to do with Power Rangers. I knew that Power Rangers was taken from Japanese footage. I'd never seen an episode of Super Sentai um, until much, much, much later because there was no internet. Like you couldn't just go YouTube, like the ZU Rangers opening theme. Like that just wasn't an option. So you just had to like not know other than knowing that it was from Japan because nothing else looks like this other than stuff from Japan. So that's that's my tale. Um, Power Rangers was not the gateway drug. It was just curiosity and wanting to see more of these more complex stories because in my mind, American animation had a stopping point. It's become much more complex now but 80s cartoons, 90s cartoons, you know, they were their 11 minute format and they were not, not memorable. So at that age, I was hungry for more memorable stories. That's all. Yeah, I think our, a lot of 80s cartoons were ads for the toys. There was a, a while there where they weren't telling stories as much as they were trying to get you to go buy stuff. And I think that, you know, for me, it was like Pokemon and, and Toonami on Cartoon Network where I started getting these, longer form anime storylines but mm -hmm. back to the toys are there any uh like grails you mentioned you had to kind of rebuild starting in 2007 was there anything you looked back on I know you mentioned the green rangers that you were like I gotta go back and rebuild 
these figures that I missed or this line that I never got? I have, I have some grails. I definitely have some grails and it changes a little bit from day to day. And some are, you know, commercially released things and some are like fan-made things. Like for example, um, I just did a video recently where I went through my Mystery Science Theater 3000 collection and I happened to have a life-size one-one scale Tom Servo replica. And obviously it's fan-made and I've had it since 2007, 2008, I've had it forever but I would love to get a crow, you know, robot to correspond with it. If you guys are familiar with MST3K. Um, going back to Sailor Moon, there's some of the Japanese toys, like the props that like some characters use that have never had an American counterpart. And those cost four or $500. And I'm just not ready for that commitment for like those old vintage toys. I'm maybe hopeful that a new cleaned up version will be made um, you know, later on. And then there's some grail items where it's like, well, you know, there's grail items where I'm like, um, hold on, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Come back to me. <laughs> uh, great. Are there any aspects of collecting as an adult that you really like now that you don't get from other hobbies? Like what, what is the, the, the catharsis in it for you now? Oh, now I've, Thank you. you. You triggered what I was going to say. There's some where like you might start with like just the tchotchkes of it and then culminate with like a nice, you know, sideshow statue or you might culminate with like the masterpiece or the Chogokin. So you're like, okay, I have maybe five or six or 10, you know, Megazords, like Mighty Morphin Megazord. And now I need to get the, I need to get the big daddy, like the more expensive piece. None of us, myself included, have endless money to just do this. Like we, we're all working adults <laughs> and we have to allocate our collection money carefully. So um, yeah, again, my grail item just, it fluctuates and I focus on different collections. I have a lot of different collections and sometimes it's like, okay, now I'm going to give some love to this part of my Power Ranger collection, but now I'm going to give some love to, you know, just getting the vintage Megazords. And now I'm going to boost up my, my Rainbow Bright collection. Now I'm going to add a little more to my Raggedy Andy collection. Yes, I have a Raggedy Andy collection. Don't at me. Um, then I'm going to add to, you know, this collection. So they're all just kind of like, you know, they kind of build organically. And then sometimes I'm really in the mood for a model kit. And so I'll, you know, I focus on a model kit or two just to keep my hands busy and, and then I don't want to collect toys at all. And I really just want to buy more like boots. And so then, you know, then clothes and jewelry are, are a problem. So did you want like Power Rangers and stuff like that when you were a kid, but couldn't get them? Yes. Um, I loved Power Rangers from age nine. That's when I first saw Mighty Morphin. And my family was living in Israel at the time. Um, I'm a dual citizen. My dad's from Israel, from Tel Aviv. And so after the 94 earthquake here in the LA area, um, we kind of upped and moved to Israel and lived there for three years. And so that's where I was, that's where I got into Power Rangers because I was not very good at speaking Hebrew and I didn't have any friends. So it was me, my dolls, my toys. Um, but I don't remember if either the toys hadn't made it there yet. Like I just wasn't aware that there were Power Ranger toys or if they just like weren't on the shelves. There weren't toy stores in Israel in the same way that there are toy stores here it was more like the local just like the local school supply store might have a toy corner um 
it was just different. <laughs> it was just different. And it was a very unique um, time. So had I been back here in the States and were like going to Toys R Us all the time, yeah, I'd walk those aisles and I would have seen the Power Ranger toys and I would have wanted them, but that just wasn't an option in those years for me. That's super interesting. How long were you in Israel? Three years, 94 to 97. So when you came back in 97 and like went to a toy store again, was it just like overwhelming? <laughs> No, well, I was 12 when we came back. Um, and so I was already, I didn't want to play. I was still playing with Barbies because they were right there. I already had my big Barbie collection, but I, I was starting to get out of that stuff. I was starting to get into anime and the anime toys were very limited. Like we had some, like, I didn't want those Sailor Moon dolls on the shelves. Um, I was starting to get more into video games and I wanted to go out more and I started reading like more manga and I wanted to buy more videotapes like my interests were just shifting. So by the time I came back in 97, um, I wouldn't have cared about a Power Rangers Zeo action figure. That was just my experience. Gotcha. Um, did you still have like the shows over there? Were you able to watch Power Rangers yes. and Sailor Moon and stuff? Sailor Moon, um, I did not. Sailor Moon I first saw while I was living in Israel because a Canadian friend let me borrow her videotape. But yeah, Power Rangers was immensely popular and it was on the kids channel in English subtitled in Hebrew. Huh. Yeah, those kids didn't care if that stuff was in English. They were just happy to watch that. It was so popular. And everybody over there was really happy that Lord Zed was Jewish. Lord Zed's Jewish, you know. I did not know that. <laughs> he had a Jewish wedding when he married Rita represent blake you missed all of that information when you were telling me about power rangers i was very young you <laughs> was... didn't care about no jewish wedding <laughs> they fought big pumpkins that wrapped and giant gold demons and the pink ranger was very attractive that's as far as i got <laughs> uh so are you buying any of the new power ranger toys that are coming out like the hasbro blake... ones? yeah the hasbro ones what I'm collecting now, um, what I'm collecting now is select Power Ranger Lightning collections. Um, I'm not so into the Rangers as I am into the robots. Remember that. So I did just buy the Green Ranger one that came out. I found it in the wild at Walgreens. I lost my mind. So I bought a bottle of wine and I bought a Green Ranger Lightning collection and I was a grown up that day. And I did buy the new Zeo Megazord that Hasbro put out. It's supposed to be more of a premium one that compares to Transformers Masterpiece. No die cast, all plastic. I bought that. It was very nice. I bought the two cheapy Mighty Morphins. That I, so I guess to answer your question, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm buying. Some, I am. I'm buying the new um, some new Hasbro stuff, and I'm buying some of those new PCS collectible statues because the PCS collectibles is extremely high end. Um, you, you might know but they're coming out with these Hasbro budget line ones. So there's like some Power Ranger ones, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and then Turtles, which, you know, is not Hasbro. But um, yeah, they're releasing these $50 statues and they come out so infrequently that I can justify getting some of them. So I have some of those over there and those are nice. I like those. Um, they're very light. They won't crash my shelves. But yeah, I don't collect like all the Rangers because I just don't care <laughs> about a lot of the Rangers. I see yeah. Masters of the Universe behind you. Uh, what's your Masters of the Universe connection? My Masters of the Universe connection. Um, so over here, that's I have this huge Evil Lynn collection because I love her. 
I love Evil Lynn. I, over there, the, the majority of those are my husband. I'm not going to play that game of like, no, nah, nah, nah. but Evil Lynn is mine. And I watched a lot of Masters of the Universe um, as a kid, again, in Israel, because it was on syndication. So every day after school, I'd run to my friend's house over there and we'd watch, a bunch of us kids would hide in the basement and watch Motu. Huh. Man, that, like... I, I, Motu seems like such a like early 80s thing to me. It's interesting that like kids were still watching it into the 90s. If it was on, we'd watch it. And like I said, it was on syndica- in syndication back then. So I got to watch a lot of Motu. Um, I don't remember Shira being on because she was not in syndication. But yeah, you're right. It was, it was totally an 80s thing. And I never saw any of the toys on the shelves. And, um, but yeah, to this day, I connect with Evil Lynn because I love warrior babes and femme fatales. So she's cool by me. I have a whole warrior babe collection. I have, um, you know, some of the small Shira. I have the, the do you remember Golden Girl? Mm-hmm. I have Golden Girl. Um, I have just one-off, you know, Valkyrie looking warrior babes. I have Daphne from um, Dragon's Lair. Like, yeah, I just collect warrior babes. I don't know. It's a heavy it's the heavy metal fan in me i read a lot of fantasy literature and you know books and so it's always like a warrior babe so you mentioned that the stuff behind you on the other side is your husband's yes uh so he's a collector as well yeah yeah he's more into video games so he gotcha. has he has some motu he has um, a ninja turtle collection but for the most part his stuff is video games um, retro video game stuff from you know from Atari through N64. God, N64 so is now retro. That's that's when I just turned to dust. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. It is, dude. Wii is retro. Um, Wii games are. I know, I know. Wii games are starting to become collectible vintage, from what I'm hearing. You know, from word 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 around the playground is that. Yeah, Wii games are on the up, which is funny. I'm like, did we skip GameCube? What happened? Well, a lot of people. It's my favorite, but a lot of people skipped GameCube, unfortunately. Dude, dude, GameCube had DDR Mario Mix. It's cool by me. I love that damn game. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's... And we'll swing back to the toys as soon as I get my fans of the show know that I'm going to get my gaming in a little bit. But it's... I feel like when I look at GameCube now to like collect, it's deceptively easy. There's really only like 50 that I'm like, yeah, those are what you need. Everything else can, where NES and SNES, you've just, just gray brick walls that people have. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember like, cause I was working at Toys R Us when the GameCube came out and I remember like there were a whole bunch of different colors of them. So you could collect like GameCubes themselves. Justin, I currently have a silver GameCube that I bought when I moved here after my first film set because I was so proud of myself and I wanted one. I will pay a reasonable amount of money to just get an Indigo one again. I had the purple one growing up. They didn't have a purple one at the retro store and I want a purple GameCube again. I remember the purple. That was actually the one that I feel a lot of people had if they didn't have the black one. Yeah, the black. well, it was black and purple at launch and then they introduced orange. And that one was really hard to find. And then Japan got all sorts of fun colors. But I I was one of the few that wanted the purple, got the purple. All my friends were like, why do you have a purple GameCube? And I was like, because my space is more colorful and interesting than yours. My <laughs> wardrobe is all black, but my systems have color. The purple's the one I remember. Like, I don't even remember a black. It became the, like, flagship color. Like, it became the brand's color was purple. 
Uh, but back to these toys. Lauren, you have two sites. You mentioned Toy Wizards and Pop Lurker. So you're very involved in the action figure community. Is there anything uh, that you feel is like missing in conversations these days? I feel like it. there's so much retro and unboxing and reviews. Is there anything that you're like, why don't we talk more about this in the action figure toy space? It's interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, there's a big conversation to me about how toys can be relaunched and it's one that I always try to spur and it doesn't gain traction and that is the difference between boy toys and girl toys I've always felt that you know for example we have Masters of the Universe and then Masters of the Universe Origins came came back and it, it looks I mean it's very different but it looks at first glance very similar we have the Ninja Turtle the retro style Ninja Turtle toys either from Playmates or NECA or Super 7 and they're very much recognizably like those old toys and like Playmates is literally using their old molds um G.I. Joe is coming back in that like three and a quarter you know three three quarter four inch scale and then we have classified but it's still those old characters in a six inch scale so what I'm trying to get at with that is you have all these retro boy toys coming back for what feels like the adult male collectible mar market but then when retro girl toys exit come back like you know you might get the occasional strawberry shortcake anniversary toy but the current strawberry shortcake on the shelf, like she has a complete facelift, like this character's unrecognizable to somebody from the eighties or like the My Little Ponies have a complete, you know, facelift. Um, Polly Pocket got a facelift, like Rainbow Bright, they tried to give her a facelift in like 2009 and it didn't work. Um, and then they tried to do it again in like 2014. So what I'm trying to say is to me, it's very interesting how boy toys can come back as we remember them, but girl toys keep having to be reborn for the current girl market. And I think it's because the female collecting market is grossly underestimated. There's That's the conversation we're not having. The one that we are having is, is damn you scalpers <laughs> and resellers. And I keep hearing about that over and over again. That is uh, something, yeah, I think everybody's gone through it. I think everybody relates to it, but you're right. That's a very interesting thing. And I, I feel like we often in entertainment industry does it, the video game industry does it, underestimates an audience that isn't the white male audience. And I think it's interesting that you bring up when we relaunch female figures, girl toys, we do have to kind of bring it in for this modern world. And I wonder if part of that is also, there might be a conception too of like, the boys are playing with toys the same way they played with them. They want, an they want a lightsaber, they want another lightsaber that maybe they think girls' behavior is different now and they can't just reproduce it? I don't know. And that's the thing is, I think it comes down to maybe toy manufacturers needing to admit who these relaunches are for. If they say they're for little boys, okay, great. Then, But then why do they need to look just like the toys that gave people who are now 45-year-old men the warm and fuzzies? You know, like why can't Rainbow Bright come back as we remember her? I mean, maybe she doesn't have to, maybe she doesn't have to, that's fine. But I'm just, you know, my, my conversation will, all, will always be, um, you know, girl, girl toys are for the little girl um, because I don't think they think there's a female, grown adult female, you know, collector's market. I would die to see, you know, going back again to Golden Girl, Galoob's Golden Girl, oh my God. But 
I don't think Mattel would ever, Galoob's gone, but I don't think Mattel would ever have that. Like, I don't even know who owns the rights to those Golden Girl dolls at this time. And I know a million people are going to think I'm talking about Golden Girls, like the TV show and NECA made, NECA made figures of those, but no, no, no. I'm talking about the warrior babes. Um, I don't even know if people could let that exist without thinking they're bootleg Shiras. So you know, I, it's, uh, I know I didn't exactly answer, but I think that's a difficult conversation because then you have to discuss who are toys for. And a lot of the sob story on a lot of the Facebook groups is, you know, you adult collectors are taking a toy away from a child, but then somebody always comes back with, I don't ever see a child in the toy store. I see grown ass men like me. And it's just this like ping ponging, uh, it's, it's exhausting. No, you're, you're tickling exactly the part of my brain that does the marketing and advertising and works full time and figuring out audiences for movies. So I think you're right. There is no admission when we make toys some companies do right NECA very much is like here's an alien xenomorph it is for 30 to 40 year old whatever no the five-year-old should have this is something else that's not what we're doing here but I feel like a lot of companies the Miles Morales that I have right here nobody's having a conversation of like who is this for they kind of but they know somebody at these companies knows that I bought this. Jeff Bezos has my Amazon order data and all of my information in a thumbprint. They know what I'm doing. And I'm sure there's also a kid that wants a Miles Morales toy. So I, I do think there needs to be conversations of that because that's how we'll get to building out the adult female collector world as people going like, oh, there are toys. When we talk about it in movies, right? We talk about four quadrants, male, female, certain ages over and under that age these conversations need to happen in toys too because then when we adapt these properties they won't just be like i don't know eight ball and uno oh my <laughs> god i could go on you'll oh know my god. who's you'll know who's targeting your toys you'll know who will see the movies but i digress but i that's a great answer and i could i feel like we could do a whole hour on just that um Thank you. yeah no it, it's it's pretty crazy it it's definitely and then you know going back to like your marvel legends real quick um you know, there are people who will staunchly collect those Hasbro $20 figures, whether it's Power Rangers Lightning, Black Se you know, Star Wars Black Series, um, Marvel Legends, G.I. Joe Classified. And again, they're all in the $20 range, which to me is a very digestible entry price. So either you just bought a kid this action figure or you are an adult collector and you can buy several of these because they're affordable. But if you start talking about price point, people, you know, people who don't have a concrete argument will say your privilege is showing. Oh, $20 is cheap, your privilege is showing. And so there's no dialogue because they jump right to that and then you're pushed against a wall. Lauren, in, in kind of some of these last few minutes, you had mentioned before we started recording that you have kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious as a toy collector and a person who has kids, do you ever find you conflicting of like, which toys are for you and which toys are for the kids and that balance? Or even do you have any that are on the shelf that your kids know, like that's mom's toy and we don't do that? Yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, my kids grew up seeing these glass cabinets. They've always understood that what's in the case isn't for them. And it's the nature of the glass display case. You know, you go to a museum, glass display, you know, that means don't touch. I remember my grandma had a glass display case of the Swarovski crystal tchotchke animals. That was no touch unless she said so. It's the nature of glass. 
Now, some people have said to me, oh, if I had those glass cases, my two-year-old would run into it. No, they probably won't if they grow up with it. It's something they always see. But now um, I do get, I do receive review samples that my daughter's like, ooh, that's for me. And, you know, like sometimes, okay, I'll do my work with them. And then they are for you. And of course I buy plenty of my own toys that my kids just aren't interested in. And so when people in mostly opinionated Facebook groups start going on tangents about kids today don't play with toys. All they want to do is play, you know, with their tablets or the electronics. I'm like, no, they just don't want to play with like your dirty old toys. And you see lots of parents who like play masters of the universe with their kids and their kids are interested in their old toys. But the way kids are is they like new things. So if you bring a box of, I have a box of like old vinyl tchotchkes, which is a combination of just like, again, little vinyl toys and old Happy Meal toys. Like you just dump it out every once in a while and it's a whole new world. Um, I have a case of old Glamour Gal dolls, which was a line from the very early 80s. I have some on card that nobody touches. And then I have a bunch loose in a carrying case. My daughter likes to play with those every once in a while. They smell like wet attic, but that's her prerogative. Um, so, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the focus uh, has shifted. Like my kids are into their own things. They like board games. They like, um, you know, random toys. My son collects Mario and Zelda stuff like any other little boy would and my daughter likes her dolls um but I never impose my own hobbies or fandoms onto them because one don't touch my stuff and two they have their own personalities when they were younger they had no even more even less interest so people would ask me oh you're a toy journalist do your kids want all your things no but as they're getting older some of my some of the things I collect and receive as samples seem more, more appealing to them. This idea that's kind of popped up online in collector groups that kids don't play with toys anymore is such a bizarre thing. Right. Like it's almost an us versus them kind of mentality. Like they have to like find a way of justifying like, oh, kids don't play with toys anymore anyway. So these are just for me. It's a very, very weird thing. And here's the thing. Let's all think back to when we were kids for a minute. Um, like I was always an avid reader. So I am, and my mom never said no to books. Like there was limitations on other things, not books. I got to go to the bookstore every single week and pick out like two new books as often as I wanted. Cause there was books. So, you know, again, I would have this stack of books in my room and like, did you know kids who just didn't like reading? Of course. And then you have other friends who have stacks of video games and they always love video games. And like, did every kid love video games? No. And then you had your friends who had just tons of action figures, but that friend with the action figures maybe didn't have video games and maybe didn't have the books. So what I'm saying is I think people for like lose the ability to have the perspective of like there's always been kids who don't like to play with toys not every kid back in our days liked toys they some kids were just outside kids some kids had 12 baseball bats I had no baseball bats <laughs> like everyone always has their hobbies but I think for the like you were saying to justify that you know oh kids don't play with toys today so I'm gonna buy 12 of these because it's just me and my grown-up homeboys anyway um, you know, they forget that like, it's always been that way. It's just now we're grownups and the focus has shifted. Well, and I think there's always a struggle of normalizing hobbies that people think are for kids, or maybe they are for kids, or they're mostly kids consuming it. I, 
I still have friends who watch all the Marvel movies with me and they always walk out and they're like, see, these aren't kids movies. This is most like, well, one, we live in LA. Everybody's seen every movie that comes out ever. So like poor sample size. Two, who cares? These movies make a billion dollars every weekend, more than just kids are seeing them. You're right. No one in our space is judging you that we all went and saw Spider-Man this weekend. You can relax. Or I have friends who play video games and are like, you know, I still get excited for Pokemon. But you know, now a lot of 30-year-olds play Pokemon. I don't care. Play Pokemon. I also, I don't, no one, no one cares that much. It's fine. Just all, you have to admit that, yeah, like sometimes you're buying something. There might be a six-year-old next to you that's like, cool, I also want the Spider-Man toy. And you should yeah. just be like, great. That's how things work. They're created for a lot of people to enjoy for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, the way we enjoy media and the way that we collect is nobody's business, you know, as long as we're not hurting anyone. And I think for the most part, most people are not. And it's really, the internet makes everything seem very small and like everything is everybody's business. And it's not, you know, it's not. And we're not taking away from anyone when we indulge in a hobby that may be geared toward a certain age group. And that's just narrative structure. Like anybody who you know writes can understand when stakes are very low. And that's why some people might be like, Marvel movies are baby movies. Well, they're just very digestible and the stakes are very low, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Right. It's, I, if I could go to a theater right now and see a Marvel movie, I would be so happy, but I haven't in a year. Dude, I'd go back and watch episode three of Star Wars. Like that was my happiest movie time. Like I going to see episode three at like the midnight release when I was like 21 and it was loud and rowdy and there were too many of us in the theater and was screaming like, give me that again. Lauren, where can everybody find you and all of your wonderful work? Oh my gosh. You can find me personally at Lauren Stone all over the social media. You can read toy-wizards.com and follow, that, follow Toy Wizards for daily toy news reviews we have a youtube channel same for pop lurker you can follow pop lurker that's my general pop culture also has a channel on youtube you can read my my weekly um, column on sci-fi wire important toy news where i do a wrap-up of the toys for the week and just yeah that's where you can find the most recent work i'm doing uh that was our show guys thank you so much for listening thank you so much for taking the time of course you can leave us a review on itunes spotify google podcasts everywhere else podcasts are found uh you have to click the five star button or else it won't go through we all everyone knows that that's known uh but just in case and then of course you can follow us on twitter at how do you figure pc we're on facebook at facebook.com slash how do you figure podcast on instagram at how do you figure podcast i'm at, on twitter at as always blake justin's at turn of nerds I do two other podcasts that are movie-based called Hollywood Already Did It, which right now is a mini-series about the history of sitcoms through WandaVision, where we do an episode of WandaVision and then whatever decade of sitcoms they're referencing. The other one is called You Can't Do That Anymore, where we take movies that might now be problematic that we grew up with that we don't think you could make today. Justin, of course, the third Saturday of every month hosts Tournament of Nerds on Twitch, the UCB Improv Show. And lastly, a very good shout out to the Facebook group Action Figure Junkies where I found Lauren's video and was able to reach out and make this great episode happen. So thank you for that community for existing.